This is the Tennis Podcast, and my name is Nick. I'm Brandon. You didn't even catch it, did you? Did you say tennis? I did, you idiot. Got him. Well, yeah, <laughs> I got got. I want to remind everyone that the Tennis Podcast is a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You can check out their 80-plus podcasts at bluewirepods.com. Why did you say tennis? When I name this show by myself and without your help, mm-hmm. and when I've done everything since then by mm-hmm. myself, it's never even occurred to me that tennis, the name of our show, could be mistaken for a tennis podcast. Yeah. Um, but it has been, but it's not. It's not a tennis podcast. We're actually a podcast where either myself or my sidekick host, Brandon, bring a top 10-ish list on any given topic under God's hot sun and the other tries to guess without knowing what that list is ahead of time. That's what we're going to do today. Is it about tennis? Because if it is... No, absolutely okay. not. I'm not prepared to guess anything about tennis. I don't want to turn away all of our listeners. We turned away some with our uh, Bible episode last week, but... Oh, really? We didn't want them anyway. No, I'm joking. No, no one has reached out saying I'm not listening to you anymore because of that. But I will say that well, let's just say that last week's episode was the most edited I've, editing I've had to do on an episode yet to make it more palpable for the general public. Well, thank you for your slicing and dicing. Today, we are hoping to take your mind off that mean old coronavirus that the world can't shut up about right now and for good reason, I guess. But for today, we're going to talk about something related, sort of. Last week, we talked about the Bible. Mm-hmm. I just talked about Corona wiping us all off the face of the earth. Are we going to talk about an apocalypse? No, but we're going to talk about our true Lord and Savior. Uh, Satan? Walt Disney. Oh, the other devil. Well, Walt Disney and his little company and staff full of mice (laughs) are the real rulers of this earth more and more every day. So, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about Disney the company and talk about the business segments of Disney that bring in the most revenue. The verticals, yeah, their channels. Most revenue generating verticals for the Walt Disney Company. And it might not be what you think. At least it wasn't for me. Today, the title of our show is going to live up to its name because this show is called The Tennis Podcast, not to Mm -hmm. be confused with tennis. The Tennis Podcast because sometimes our lists are 10, sometimes they're more, sometimes they're less. Today, they're less. There's only four entries on this list. Okay. You need to think bigger, you know. A lot of their businesses are kind of combined. Right. It's not just Mar- like, for instance, on Disney Plus, you can look at Star Wars, Pixar, or Marvel. Those would all be different like studios or film divisions, but they would all be under like the film division. Yeah. Disney has dozens, if not hundreds of subsidiaries. So, basically any aspect of their business, no matter how small, relatively small, is its own separate company, but they're all owned by the mega company, the Walt Disney Company. They have everything combined into four distinct verticals or segments. Mm -hmm. I want to remind everyone that Walt Disney Company is a publicly traded company, which means they have to release their financial data every single year to the public. So, everything I'm covering today comes directly from the source. It comes from Walt Disney. We're going to be talking... Well, it doesn't come from Walt Disney. The person comes from the company. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Walt today. But so since there's only four entries on the list, I'm going to fill out the rest of today's episode with hashtag Disney facts about <laughs> okay. the company and the man. Okay. Before we got started, I thought I could go over uh, what is the Walt Disney Company? I pulled from Wik- Wikipedia. Uh-huh. The Walt Disney Company, commonly known as Disney, is an American diversified multinational mass media and entertainment conglomerate 
headquartered at the Walt Disney Studios Complex in Burbank, California. It was originally founded in 1923 by brothers Walt and Roy Disney. People forget to mention Roy, but he was pretty much just as much a part of the company, being as successful as it is now. He took over when Walt died. I watched a couple of those, I think they're called Imagineering. Yes. It's a documentary series on Disney Plus, and it's obviously all extremely favorable towards Walt Disney and the Disney Corporation. But nonetheless, it is really interesting, especially to watch old footage of these guys, these engineers and and women building Pirates of the Caribbean ride, which, you know, we all think is hokey and ridiculous now. But for the time, showing the engineering behind the scenes is pretty cool. I, I, Walt Disney, the company, plus the, uh, the theme parks and the mo- just there's so many people, so many little details that go into everything. Yeah. Nothing is an accident in anything Walt Disney does. And that was one of the things he uh, instilled in the company's values is just that mega attention to the smallest detail, which is one of the reasons they're so successful. And you said Roy kind of took over. Well, he did take over from Walt when Walt uh, passed away. But even when Walt was alive, Roy was in charge of the finances. He was always the financial manager, I guess, of the Walt Disney Company. So, a little bit more about Disney. Since the 1980s, Disney has created and acquired corporate divisions in order to market more mature content than is typically associated with its flagship family-oriented brands. Kind of like the Tennis Podcast is the family-oriented brand of... uh, Of our conversations? Yeah. The company is known for its film studio division, the Walt Disney Studios, but it also owns or partially owns, Pixar, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, 20th Century Studios, Searchlight Pictures, Blue Sky Studios, and many more. Disney owns and operates a bunch of TV channels, a bunch of theme parks, publishing, merchandising, music, theater. It goes on and on. But if, if it's out there, Disney does it. They've got The Simpsons. That's they got one the of the Simpsons. craziest things to me. Yeah. Bart and Mickey can exist in the same universe. Yeah. And that would be a hell of a car ride to watch them if there was a reality show of Mickey and Bart cross country. I'd like to see Mickey's reaction to getting mooned. <laughs> so today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the parts of Disney's global business that bring in the most cash. Disney is a publicly traded company, like I said. So I grabbed all this from them, Disney. And then I supplemented with some stuff I found on Wikipedia. One more note for you to keep in mind is that Disney's calendar year is September through September for some fucking reason. So, we're going to focus on the last fiscal year which ended September 2019. So, we're looking at September 2018 through September 2019. Okay. And I'm going to tell you how much money they made overall. Disney, their net income in 2019 was $11 billion. But even more astounding is that the same year the company announced record revenue of just under 70 billion US dollars. Good God. Larger than the economy of many countries out there. And I'll say too that despite all this, I would have thought Disney's what, like a top 10, top 5 company in the world, right? But no, they're number 55 on the Fortune 500 list of largest US corporations by total revenue. What are the biggest ones? We'll do that in another list someday, my friend. God bless. We're just going down the rabbit hole. So, I've talked a lot. I need to stop and let you talk. What do you think? What do I think about the list or yeah? You ready, I'm ready to learn to about it. Disney? Yeah, let me... Um, You're going to get Disney crammed up your ass today, everybody. So, get ready. I'm going to guess that the... Is, a, is there a, a division that's just for merchandise? 
There used to be, but it, it was absorbed into another division that I don't want to say yet because it's... Right. So, think about like the, if you had to summarize everything Disney does into four categories, that's what we're looking at. How about... Well, I'm... A, I'm you don't need to get the name exactly right. There's a pretty good chance I could nail like number one with any of my guesses. I'm not sure which one it is, but there's only four. So, how about the parks department, parks and events? What number would you guess it is? Two. It's one. <sighs> See, going in, I would have thought their movie studios would be number one, but it's not. I guess when you think of like the huge volume of people that come through there and how like crazy Dude, expensive stuff is. You're going to have your mind blown today. So, number one, Disney labels this business segment as the parks, experiences, and products. So, consumer products. So, which that would be, includes all the toys. Yes, but the largest percentage of revenue here still comes from the parks. Yeah. So, consumer products, like Brandon said, it includes all the toys, any shirt you see in a Walmart that has a Disney character on it, anything that you can purchase to take home that has any element of Disney on it is included in here, as well as all of their theme parks, as well as hotel, cruises, timeshares, guided tours, travel packages, that's all included in here. Now, in 2019, the, year, the fiscal year 2019... $26 billion in revenue in one year. It's like I'm continuously staggered by all these facts and figures. And you know, for the coronavirus, we're recording this like a day or two after they just announced that Disneyland in Anaheim, California will be mm -hmm. closing temporarily. It's only the fourth time in history in like 70 years almost that Disneyland has closed. I wonder what the other times were. It was uh, the Kennedy assassination, the day of mourning. Uh-huh. There was a earthquake, I don't remember which one, and one other time, maybe 9-11 or something, and then this is the fourth time. God. This is the 9-11 of diseases. Yes. That's what I got out of that. Yeah. Now, that's very profound. Mm -hmm. and, uh, thank you for that. $26 billion in revenue, but just under $7 billion in profit. I guess not everyone's a financial guru out there. The revenue represents any, every single penny that the Walt Disney Company gets from any purchase that a customer makes. Yeah, profit is what they have left after all the costs. After the cost, after paying their employees, after paying their fucking electrical bill, all of it. What's left is the profit. After building pirates. <laughs> exactly. And so, profit was uh, just under $7 billion. Now, the parks segment that we're covering now is first in revenue, but second in profit. It costs a lot to keep parks and experiences going. Brandon, when's the last time you were at a Disney park? It's been 15 years. Oh, damn. I haven't been since they had Star Wars and Pixar and Marvel and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I went about two years ago to Disney World in Orlando. So, let me tell you all kinds of shit about this park and just stop me when you're ready because there's a lot. When I'm too dazzled. In 2018, Walt Disney World, which is their largest park in Orlando, Florida, was the most visited vacation resort in the world. And that same year, 2018, the company's theme parks, all of them, I think there's uh, 14, I want to say, worldwide, hosted over 157 million guests, making Disney Parks the world's most visited theme park company worldwide and the second place company UK-based Merlin Entertainments came in uh, at 67 million. So, Disney Parks, 157 million guests. Second place, 
67 million. Merlin? Merlin. So I know there is, we've got Disneyland and Disney World in the US. Yes. Isn't there a Disneyland or Disney World in Japan? Tokyo, Paris, Hong Kong, one or two other countries I can't recall. Anyway, Disneyland, people love to go there and who wouldn't? It's a, it is a great place. If you haven't been since you were a kid because you think it's just for kids, there's plenty to do and see for adults and what I was saying at the you top- You get drunk. About the, yeah, for about 40 bucks uh, per. At the top of the show, I was talking about the great detail that Disney and the company takes. You go to a Disney World or a Disneyland park mm-hmm. and every fucking blade of grass is like perfectly set. There is no trash anywhere. Compare that to like a Six Flags or something and you'll see the difference. Anyway, not to suck Disney's dick too much, but I just... Well, speaking of sucking, they have a vacuum system for the trash all over the park in Disney World. I might be in Disneyland too, but... Are you talking about the cats? No, there's a pneumatic vacuum system for trash. Oh, okay. Like they can just suck either individual oh, pieces baby. of trash. Oh, baby. God damn, oh, baby. Either individual pieces of trash or the entire trash bag, I'm not sure which, into vacuum tubes. So, like the trash won't stink. You throw something in there, it just oh, disappears. Instead of sitting in there in the hot sun, like your milkshake would stink after a while. No. Like it goes underground, you mean? Yeah. God. I didn't know that. Yeah, maybe you should be leading this episode. Damn. Uh, I did my research by watching two episodes of Imagineering over the course of like three weeks. I actually, this might be an urban legend, but I've heard that Disneyland and Disney World have a group of cats that they keep on and they live on premises in mm-hmm. like luxurious little cat houses during the day. And then at night they let them out and the cats go hunting for rodents. They have a cat party? <laughs> a cat posse? It must be like the, you know, like Will Smith and Men in Black got sought out. Or no, he, did, he got noticed or something by the Men in Black, invited to join yeah. them because he's such a great cop. If you're like the best of the best cat, like fucking Garfield comes and knocks on your door and erases your mind and then you wake up and he's like, do you want to join? Oh, I guess Garfield isn't owned by Disney. Which cat would it be? What are you talking about? Cats recruiting other cats? The cats recruit the other cats to be in the... Nobody said that. I'm positive this is the way it works. (laughs) Who is a cat? Disney has Pete the cat, right? I don't know. No. You know, the big bully that goes after Mickey, Pete, he's a cat. I think he might be a dog because he's Goofy's friend. No, in Goofy, the Goofy is movie. a dog. Yeah, but I think he's a dog too. No, man. Because they're Pete's all dogs cat. in the Goofy movie. Big Pete. Pete. You don't fucking know. Disney. I'm looking him up, man. Pete. Big Pete. He is a cat. Okay, well. He's a big, fat, strong cat. <laughs> okay. Pete the cat, everyone. Listener of the show. Yeah. Uh, well, can I tell you more about Disney parks? Yeah. I've told you literally everything about Pete. So, yeah, well, let's move on to the parks. It is by far Disney's largest business segment. According to employee headcount, 130,000 employees just for the parks. And that's, that represents 72% of Disney's entire workforce. I thought this was uh, interesting. I pulled this out of the financial report where I got these numbers. This is a quote from that report. Disney shared this with their stockholders. Higher operating income at our merchandise licensing business was due to an increase in revenue from sales to sales of merchandise based on Frozen and Toy Story partially offset by lower sales of merchandise based on Mickey and Minnie. <laughs> and, then, and then it said, 
Growth at Disneyland Resort was primarily due to higher guest spending, partially offset by expenses associated with Star Wars Galaxy Edge, and to a lesser extent, lower attendance. Guest spending growth was primarily due to increases in average ticket price and higher food, beverage, and merchandise spending. So why I read that, Mm -hmm. that's the end of the quote, is because they're saying we have less people coming in and less people buying shit, but because we increase the price of all of it, we're doing great. (laughs) It, It was offset. That's what that, yeah, offset by. So that's the thing, man. You can stop going to Disney and Disney can have fewer customers, but they'll just charge every other customer more and they'll have a record year in revenue. They probably figured out that there's some amount of people that are just going to go no matter what Mm -hmm. because they've never been and they need to take their kids or which is probably the biggest thing. Like you go one time and after that one time you're like, we've been before. It's too fucking expensive. Don't ask me again. Disneyland or world with a family, especially if you stay at a resort. Mm Mm-hmm. That is like, that's a down payment on a house. Yeah. But yeah, uh, they, they have 157 million people that go every year. So, what the fuck do we know? That's why they put the Disney store in at the mall. If you can't afford to go to Disney World, you can go walk around in Disney, the store. Yeah. That's a lot like going Feel to Disney Feel a little bit better about yourself. And by the way, everything that's bought in a Disney store, like at the mall, would fall into this segment we're talking about. Right. So, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the creation of Disneyland because who would have thought about this, right? Like now there's a theme park for everything, but I think Disneyland was the first theme park based off of like a, what do you say? Like an entertainment, like a fucking Mickey Mouse. I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say? Off of a character, yeah. It wasn't just like a carnival with rides and shit. It's like it was based on something. A theme park. That's what a theme theme park. park is. There you go. For several years, Walt Disney had been considering building a theme park. When he visited Griffith Park in Los Angeles with his daughters, he wanted to be in a clean, unspoiled park where both children and their parents could have fun. He visited the Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen, Denmark and was heavily influenced by the cleanliness and layout of the park. Mm. Disney World, uh, so Disneyland came first, that's in Anaheim, California, near Disney's uh, home base. But they built Disney World after. Walt Disney's original plans called for the inclusion of an experimental prototype community of tomorrow, or Epcot for short, a planned community intended to serve as a testbed for new city living innovations. And I think they cover that in the Imagineering series, that Walt Disney had this grand visions of the future of society and what it would be like, and he was like obsessed with it. That was his biggest, one of his biggest endeavors before his death. Was Walt Disney World. Well... Yes, but also specifically Epcot. Epcot, we know now, is a part of the Disney World Park. But Walt Disney saw Epcot as a testing ground for actual living conditions that would be modeled after it. He wanted to run his own little world. He did. And he does. He runs our world now. Walt Disney died in December 1966 during the planning phase of the complex. After his death, the company wrestled with the idea of whether to bring Disney World Project to fruition Walt's older brother Roy came out of retirement to make sure Walt's biggest dream was realized and construction started in 1967, but without Walt. The park opened in 1971 with the Magic Kingdom and then Epcot, Hollywood Studios, and in 1998, Disney's Animal Kingdom. And it is Roy, Disney, who insisted the name of the entire complex be changed from Disney World to Walt Disney World, ensuring that people would remember that the project was Walt's dream. Hell of a guy, Roy, for... Big ups to Roy. Yeah, big ups to Roy. And if you want to know more about the creation of Disney World, which is truly fascinating because they turned miles and miles of literal swamp in Disney World in the middle of nowhere. They had to terraform that land 
and create just the foundation of which to build Disney World. Anyway, read the book Reality Land by David Koenig. Uh, I read it and it tells you about the history of Disney World. That's it. That makes you sound a lot smarter. You said, read this book. And I said, I watched two episodes of Imagineering. Yeah, but that's good too. How about... Now, hang on. Do you think any of those cats that clean up the rats, Mm -hmm. how do they get them back at night? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. The first thing I wondered too is those have to be really well-trained cats uh, because, I mean, it only takes one cat to literally like let the cat out of the bag on (sighs) their... Damn you for saying that. On their mouse and rat treatment solution. So, they either have the best cat trainers in the world or, oh, they use the... (laughs) They use the vacuum system for the cats. No. <laughs> well, I would love to be at Disney World and just see a cat. Like, you know how you're in a pub, like you're at a restaurant or something and you're sitting outside. This happened to you and I. And there's a cat outside mm-hmm. and people out. feed the cat and stuff. I would love that experience inside of a Disney World. In fact, I'd pay to go to Disney World if that's all it was, was just cats. There's places in Japan I know where you can just stop in and hang out with cats. Well, they have cat cafes. I think there's some in the States too. Oh. They're becoming a trend. That's my true calling is just being around cats all day. Hmm. I love cats. I love me some pretty cats. Now, before you give me another guess, let's go over some hashtag Disney facts taken exclusively from hashtag Nick's Notes. I'm still trying to figure out what to do with you and all those cats. I'm just going to choose to ignore it. We'll come back to the cats, believe me. Walt Disney, the man, was born on December 5th, 1901 in Chicago. That's cool. Did you know you and Walt were born in the same year? Had you known that already? (laughs) He was the fourth of five children and the youngest son. That was 1901. So, 17 years later, Disney attempted to join the United States Army fight against the Germans, but he was rejected for being too young. After forging the date of birth on his birth certificate... I was going to say, you just, back then you just lie. He joined the Red Cross in September 1918 as an ambulance driver. He was shipped to France, but arrived in November after the armistice. Armistice day. Armistice, yeah. Yeah. So, the fighting had stopped. November 11th is when we used to celebrate Armistice Day, but now we call it Veterans Day. Well, that sounds like a huge assumption, Brandon, but I guess we'll take your word for it. Is it? While he was stationed in France, he drew cartoons on the side of his ambulance for decoration and had some of his work published in the Army newspaper, Stars and Stripes. That's it for this edition of Hashtag Disney Facts. We'll return for more facts soon. Excellent digression. So, speaking of digressing, why don't you digress your little ass to another guess? Was number two then the entertainment division? You're going to have to be a little more specific. Film and television and video. Film and TV are separate. So, which one do you think is higher? Film. Wrong. Damn. I would, see, I would have thought film divisions were number one, but it's not. Number two, or yeah, I would have thought it was number one, but it's not, and it's not number two either. Number two is the division called Media Networks, and this is the division that made almost $25 billion in 2019 in revenue, and it is first if this was a profit ranking. It's got like ESPN, ABC, all the 7.5 billion in profits. So this is broken into two subsegments: cable networks, mm-hmm. which would include Disney Channel, ESPN, Freeform, and literally dozens of others. Uh, it accounts for 66% of revenue in this segment. And then you have broadcasting, which is primarily ABC network, accounting for 34% of revenue in this segment. 
Disney owns or partially owns over four dozen TV networks, including the ones I just mentioned, as well as A&E, History, FX. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yep. So, what I found most interesting about this segment, media networks, compared to segment number one, the one we covered before, parks, experiences, and products. I'm going to read again what that segment included. Parks, experiences, and products included theme parks, hotel lodging, cruises, timeshares, guided tours, travel packages, attraction design, licensing, all that stuff. And media networks just is TV ad revenue. And it's right behind number one. I just thought that was interesting that like it's such a simpler segment. I get this image in my head of... Of butts? The earth. Big butts? Yeah, I do too. Of the earth and it's covered by... Butts? Tentacles. Black, no, big, like a black tentacles. Like, okay. like a, some kind of giant Cthulhu type creature. But instead of having a Cthulhu head... A butt. It's Mickey Mouse's head. Oh, I like butt better. No. I think about the, the Micopus. <laughs> the Micopus, god damn it. Spreading his tentacles all over the world. See, I don't think it's fair to pin that on Mickey. I think Mickey's a nice, friendly guy. He's the symbol. He was made to be the symbol. If we're just talking Mickey, well, Mickey's then that's not. that's what we're using him for. No, but Mickey's not the Micopus. He's just a friendly little mouse and he's got Pluto and his friends. But I think the, Mickey, the Micopus should really be the Waltapus. It's Walt's head on top of that. Or really even more so, whoever the fucking CEO is now, Bob Iger, is that it? No, he resigned. It's some other dude. Well, I think he was around for most of Disney's aggressive expansion. Sure, it could be an Iger head. So, let's just agree there's an octopus-like creature with a head of something. Right. Strangling the earth. I only have one more longish note. How Disney got into this business. In 1954, Walt Disney was still alive. A struggling American broadcasting company, also known as ABC, was a distant third place in ratings behind CBS and NBC. Walt Disney was looking to create a weekly TV series along with creating a theme park that would eventually become Disneyland. While all three major networks showed interest, Disney ultimately chose to partner with ABC, who is the only network willing to finance the theme park, and ABC ended up owning a third of it for a while. They don't anymore. Disney fully acquired ABC in 1996, and uh, the rest is history. Now they own over four dozen, and just these TV networks alone, not including any sort of merchandising from the shows on these networks or anything like that. It was right behind parks. They used to show on ABC... Butts? A Disney movie every Sunday night. Oh, but butts were Saturday night. No! They used to show the Sunday night movie was a Disney movie every week. And sometimes it was some old shit, like Old Yeller or the computer wore tennis shoes. But then sometimes it would just randomly be like an animated classic like Peter Pan. There's a movie called The Computer That Wore Tennis Shoes? Yeah, it stars... Uh, well, they made, did a remake starring Kurt Cameron. I think the original one... Nah, not interested. It was Kurt Russell. Interested. You know, Kurt Russell was a child actor, right? No. Kurt Russell was a child actor. And yeah, I was right. <laughs> okay. He was the star of The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. It's a comedy. It's from 1969. It's a Walt Disney movie. Kurt Russell plays Dexter Riley. He's a college student. And they can't afford to buy a computer. They're installing a replacement part in this old computer that they were given during a thunderstorm and Riley gets an electric shock and becomes a human computer. Isn't it weird to think about people talking about and making movies about computers in the 60s before the modern understanding of a computer even? The home computer, basically. 
From one supercomputer to another, let's talk about the world's first and best and only supercomputer, Walt Disney. Mm-hmm. We're going back to hashtag Disney facts. Yeah, creative supercomputer. I left off with his doodlings in the army. Actually, it wasn't the army. It was the Red Cross. Uh, so, after that, he moved to Hollywood in July 1923, where his brother Roy lived and where Disney hoped to become a live-action film director. But after that, he met his friend Ub Iwerks. Ub Iwerks? It's Ub. Ub, okay. Ub. Yeah, well, Disney and Ub together developed Mickey Mouse. This is in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Possibly inspired by a pet mouse that Walt had adopted, although the origins of the character are unclear. Disney's original choice of name was Mortimer Mouse, but his wife Lillian thought it too pompous and suggested Mickey instead. What was the original name again? Mortimer. Mortimer. Well, they ended up using Mortimer again when they made Mickey's enemy uh, Mortimer the Rat, right? Which movie was that from? I never saw him in a... In, I saw him in some cartoons and then he appears again in that uh, shit show uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> Did you call it a shit show? Yeah. Uh, now, are you saying it's a shit show and like it's crazy or it's a shit show like it's a bad show? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? I thought you'd love that show because they sing about hot dogs. They sing about hot dogs no. in the theme song. No, I do not like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Now, I bet if the song was revised to Atlanta Airport hot dog, Atlanta Airport hot dog, diggity dog. Oh, it's Mortimer Mouse. He's not a rat. Mortimer Mouse, he looks kind of gross. He looks like a taller, yuckier mouse. Yeah, well, it's a different mouse. That was yeah. Mickey's original name, but... Disney's wife is the one who suggested Mickey. Yeah. And Iwerks, Disney's friend, he revised the provisional sketches to make the character easier to animate. And then Walt Disney, who had begun to distance himself from the animation process, provided Mickey's voice until 1947. I didn't know that. I didn't know he did Mickey's voice. Mm -mm. In the words of one Disney employee, Ub designed Mickey's physical appearance, but Walt gave him soul. What does that mean? I don't know. My interpretation is that Ub. He did some kind of a, a supernatural, magical <laughs> ritual in order to put his soul into Mickey so that he could live forever. forever. Kind of like Chucky. While he was praying to Satan during this ritual, he was using the Mickey voice though. So, <laughs> Drink from me and live forever. <laughs> yeah, so that's Mickey. Okay, so let's take a break from Disney Facts and give me another guess. Well, then I have to guess that number three is film. Wrong. Film is the last division. I'm shocked. I'm joking. Oh. Three is studio entertainment. But still, even three is lower than I thought, like I said. Studio entertainment includes every film studio Disney owns. That includes Walt Disney Pictures, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar, Blue Sky Studios, Marvel Studios, Lucasfilm, 20th Century Studios, uh, Searchlight Pictures, and more. And so, in 2019, this studio entertainment segment generated over $11 billion in revenue, which is still half of what the first two divisions make. Media networks and parks, experiences and products, the first two get 24 or more billion in revenue in 2019. This had $11 billion, less than half. Profit, $2.7 billion. It's kind of surprising because I think the first thing everyone thinks about with Disney is the movies, I would think, right? Yeah. So, the Disney... The studio is one of the big five major film studios and best known for its multifaceted film divisions. 
Founded in 1923, it is the fourth oldest among the major studios. In 2019, the year that we're talking about, the Walt Disney Studios posted an industry record of $13 billion at the global box office. But remember, they don't keep all that money because they have to... Wait, why do they not keep that money? So, Disney gets money from ticket sales, right? right. For people going to the movie theater. But they don't get all that money no, because the, the movie theaters... It's not the profit. Or the revenue even because the revenue... Or, or, yeah, it's not even their revenue. They get a percentage of ticket sales, which is that percentage is their revenue. Walt Disney and their various studios has six of the top 10 highest grossing films of all time and the two highest grossing film franchises of all time, which are Marvel and Star Wars. So, if this was all Disney had and they didn't even have the parks and the toys and the TV networks, if all they had was their movies, they'd still be doing fucking A-OK. So, have you ever seen a Disney movie, Brandon? You ever get upset? You're like, man, there's so much money out there. And like, pretty much none of it is mine. Nope. Yeah, but you know, we're, we're the Tennis Podcast, Tennis Podcast Studios is slowly climbing up to Disney territory as far as uh, worldwide dominance goes, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yes. With your help, listeners, we can go to patreon.com slash tennis pod. Help us take over the world. What is the last Disney film you watched? I watched Onward in theaters like a week ago, which I got to tell you, if you're Disney, you're hurting from this pandemic right now because that movie Onward, which is a Pixar Disney film, it was already not off to a strong start box office wise. It looked like a bit of a turd. I loved it actually. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. Yeah, you do like turds. I do love turds. Uh, Well, I'm hosting this podcast with you. A turd. I have to love turds a certain amount. Anyway, Onward's good. Go see it, but maybe wait a few weeks. I watched Puppy Dog Pals this morning. Why? Why'd you do that to yourself? Were you trying to commit suicide? No, but the theme song gets stuck in your head and would drive sure. you to commit suicide. Is it Santa Baby? Mm-mm. Well, why don't you just sing Santa Baby anyway right now? Do you have any more notes on studio entertainment? You can't tell us about this song and then not sing the song. I'm not going to sing anything. Then say the song. I'm not going to. Okay, everyone will just have to use their fucking imagination about this amazing song Brandon heard. The next notes on studio entertainment are that Walt Disney Productions began production of their first feature-length film, animated film, in 1934. Can you imagine fucking making a film, much less an animated film, in 1934? How much work that would have taken. Yeah, it's a lot of drawing. It took three years, in fact, to complete Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Premiered in December 1937 and became the highest grossing film of that time. In the 1940s, Disney began experimenting with full-length live-action films. And Disney had its first fully live-action film in 1950 with Treasure Island. And my last note is on December 19th, 2016, Disney became the first major studio to reach $7 billion at the box office. God damn. Disney's acquisition of Marvel Entertainment in December 2009 for $4 billion. Disney began distributing Marvel in 2012. That would be enough. But a few years later in 2012, they acquired Lucasfilm, which made Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And they purchased the Lucasfilm for $4 billion. Guess how much Star Wars has made at box office since then? $4.8 billion. I was going to say $5 billion. Based on the movies alone, they've already recouped what they paid for. And that's not even including the billions they make on merchandise and spinoffs and video games and everything else. And then lastly, in December 2017, Disney announced plans to purchase 21st Century Fox 
for $52 billion. So that's where they got The Simpsons and a bunch of other shit, mm-hmm. FX. They paid $52 billion for that and only $4 billion for Lucas. Uh, seems out of whack to me. But what do I know? Nothing. Lucas is doing all right, though. George Lucas. Yeah, he's doing okay. You know who else is doing okay? This show, because it's been reviewed by people. Uh-huh. I'm going to read you some, okay? First one comes from BRabbit26 on Apple Podcast, and I'm going to read it as it's spelled. Okay. Yeah! <laughs> it starts with a all caps, yeah. I'm going to go on. Oh, I've, there's more. This is an amazing podcast. I am a he, by the way. <laughs> We need more Brandon. It's clear to see he is the real brains and host of this show. Show us more of the Brandon from the Super Bowl halftime show episode. Yeah! And that last year I had six exclamation points. So Brandon, when did you find the time to write this review? I was going to say, that's not my Apple name. Well. No, uh, whoever you are out there, my admirer. Thank you. Well, B-Rabbit, I'm sure you're working on the review about how great I am. So, I'll give you a few more days to wrap that up, go through the editing process. I know you want to make it right. So, thank you for that in advance. Probably liked my audio recreation of each Super Bowl halftime show. Basically, I just described a YouTube video that I watched. (laughs) Yes. That's our podcast is Brandon just describing either YouTube videos or images on Google search. Yeah, I can keep doing that. (laughs) That's okay. Thank you, B Rabbit 26. I'm going to read one more here. This one comes from Killer Rabbit Pod on Podchaser. This review is on Podchaser, and you can find us on podchaser.com. Just search for Tennis Podcast. You can follow us, rate us, review us there. This review says One of the first indie pods I listened to, and easily one of the best. I love lists. Do you love lists? If so, then this is the pod for you. These guys compile a top 10 on every conceivable subject, and they do it in a smart, funny, and engaging way. Go give them a listen. Or you will feature in my top 10 Missers of Excellent Podcasts. <laughs> Pretty good. Have we covered every conceivable subject? Because that's what they said. Sometimes it feels like it when I'm trying to think of a new one. Yeah. Well, we are always looking for ideas, people. And I'm going to tell you about the Killer Rabbit Pod since they were nice enough to leave us a review. Killer Rabbit Podcast is an improv comedy podcast delivering you an escape from modern media, which I think we could all use right about now. Each episode features stories from around the world that will make you laugh, think, or cringe. I've sampled the podcast. It's really good. That's the Killer Rabbit Podcast. And if you want your review read on this show, especially welcome reviews that don't talk about how great Brandon is and instead talk about how great Nick is, those reviews are welcome. Why would I write one like that? Yeah. Brandon, should I, before we get to the last guest, let me read you a few more Disney facts here. So, we just talked about Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yep. In 1933, Disney, this is actually right before Snow White, Disney produced The Three Little Pigs. This is that animated film we've probably all seen. It's like eight or ten minutes long with The Three Little Pigs. Mm -hmm. Who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Tra-la-la-la-la. Yeah. My kids watch it all the time. It was described by media historian as the most successful short animation of all time. The film won Disney an Academy Award for a short subject cartoon. And Disney realized through this work, The Three Little Pigs, the importance of telling emotionally gripping stories that would interest the audience because we all know how fucking emotionally gripping The Three Little Pigs is. I get the point. They do amp it up quite a bit. The terror of the wolf and his like thirst and hunger for the flesh and blood of pigs. Yeah. And who hasn't felt that? I'm thinking about it right now. 
He invested in a story department separate from the animators with storyboard artists who would detail the plots of future Disney films. And that's because of The Three Little Pigs. That was in 1933. By 1934, Walt Disney had become dissatisfied with the producing formulaic cartoon shorts and believed a feature-length cartoon would be more profitable. That's when they began the long production process for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, based on the fairy tale. The film, which was the first animated feature film made in full color and sound, cost $1.5 million to produce, three times over budget. They only budgeted half a million for this thing. It premiered in 1937 and made a whole bunch of money. After Snow White, the studio began producing Pinocchio in early 1938 and Fantasia that same year. Both films were released in 1940 and neither performed well at the box office. That's because they, well, in Fantasia's case, they hadn't invented LSD yet. <laughs> it does enhance the experience, I'll say. A big part of it was because of World War II in Europe. Oh, right. Trying to kill all the Nazis. Yeah. Studio made a loss on both pictures and was deeply in debt by the end of 1941. But the 1941's Dumbo, among a few other things, helped turn things around for the Disney company. So yeah, Pinocchio and Fantasia, two very famous films, especially now were critical and commercial failures when they first came out. I didn't know Pinocchio flopped when it came out. You didn't know what on flopped. yourself? If what part of your body flopped? That's what they say when a movie is a failure at the box office. That they flopped all over themselves? And critical is that they say they flopped. Yeah. You got one left and this is the one segment of the four that had no profit. They reported a loss. And if you think about it, there's a very good reason for that. Is it the streaming one? Yeah, streaming. They call it direct to consumer and international. This is the segment that includes Disney Plus. So there's a bunch of ramp up costs to get Disney Plus off the ground, which is why they reported a loss in 2019. Mm -hmm. Also includes ESPN Plus and their controlling stake in Hulu. Disney fucking owns Hulu now. Did you know that? And other streaming services, a bunch of international streaming services as well that we don't even know about here. So in 2019, the revenue for this is just under nine and a half billion, and profit was negative 1.8 billion. Holy shit! What's it say about your company that you can take a 1.8 billion loss in it and it doesn't even like affect? You? It's like nothing. It's like it's no nothing. Big deal. Happened. Just like yeah, ah, you'll get them next year. But, you know, in this case, it was a calculated loss because the uh, increase in operating loss was due to the consolidation of Hulu. Costs associated with the upcoming launch of Disney Plus and our ongoing investment in ESPN Plus. So they, they went in accepting that they would take a loss. Now that Disney Plus has been out a few months, what's your uh, updated take on it? Have you used it as much as you thought you would? No. Streaked through The Mandalorian as quick as mm -hmm. they released them. I checked out the 4K editions of some of the like Star Wars and Marvel movies, like just bits and pieces of them. Yep. Just to see like, ooh, how good does it look in 4K? And then every once in a while, I watch a Simpsons episode. But other than that, it's just for my kids because I have been re-watching Sopranos on Amazon Prime. Mm. That's acceptable. I'll say that I haven't used Disney Plus a ton either, but it's one of those things that I just like to have handy, you know? Yeah. Even if I don't watch it a ton, it's just nice to have, especially for the kids. But even without kids, I think... I think they're going to continually add stuff to it. Yeah, there's some Marvel shows coming out either yep. this year or next year that I'll watch. Yeah, and uh, the live-action remake of the Tennis Podcast as a feature-length film coming out next year. We could do an animated film. 
Of us? Yeah, sometimes podcasts do that. The Ricky Gervais show was a cartoon on HBO where all they did was animate their podcast and radio shows. I don't know that ours lends itself to that quite as easily, but I can start doodling on some napkins, have you a movie in a couple weeks. I don't know that our show lends itself to that either, but if someone out there is willing to pay us a lot of money for it anyway, then that's fine. Yeah. We'll make it work. Before I go back through the top four here, the only four, Mm -hmm. why don't I give you a few more facts? Yeah, wrap up the life of Walt Disney. So, I just talked to you, and we haven't even got to the best part. I just talked to you about Pinocchio and Fantasia had bombed. Dumbo had turned things, or started to turn things around in 1941. And then Dumbo got it back up. Yeah. It was alleged by the New York Times in 1993 that Disney had been passing, as in Walt Disney, had been passing secret information to the FBI from 1940 until his death in 1966. Whoa, on what? In return for this information, J. Edgar Hoover allowed Disney to film an FBI headquarters in Washington. Disney was made a, quote, full special agent in charge contact in 1954. He was probably helping him find commies or people he just didn't like. He'd be like, uh, yeah, that guy's pretty pink. <laughs> yeah. That's my Walt Disney voice. Yeah, that guy's pretty pink. <laughs> guy's pretty pink. <laughs> and shout out to all of our pink listeners out there. This is uh, alleged by the New York Times, mm-hmm. but Disney was also alleged to be an anti-Semite and a racist. I've heard that before. So, let me tell you about his racism claims. Walt Disney has been accused of other forms of racism because of his, some of his productions released in the 30s, between the 30s and 50s. Uh, you've mentioned this, the film Song of the South, which mm-hmm. criticized by contemporary film critics for its perpetuation of black stereotypes. I think that's a fair criticism. Disney later campaigned successfully for an honorary Academy Award for the star of Song of the South, James Baskett, the first black actor so honored. Some experts said, they argue that Walt Disney was no racist. He never either publicly or privately made disparaging remarks about blacks or asserted white superiority. However, like most white Americans of his generation, he was racially insensitive. Yeah, I think pretty much everybody at that time was somewhat racially insensitive. So, was Disney a racist? Maybe. Probably not. He was probably just... Well, I mean, to a degree, maybe. By today's standards, we'd probably say yes. By today's standards, yeah. (laughs) By today's, you know, technically more accurate standards, we would probably say yes. Let's talk about Disney's public persona and how it differed from his actual personality. It's been said by many, Disney's public persona was very different from the man, Walt Disney. Mm Mm-hmm. Playwright Robert E. Sherwood described Walt as almost painfully shy, diffident, and self-depreciating. Self-deprecating. According to Walt Disney's biographer Richard Schickel, it's a fun name, Schickel, Disney had hid his shy and insecure personality behind his public identity. Kimball argues that Disney, quote, played the role of a bashful tycoon who was embarrassed in public and knew what he was doing. Disney acknowledged the facade and told a friend that, quote, I'm not Walt Disney. I do a lot of things Walt Disney would not do. Walt Disney does not smoke, I smoke. Walt Disney does not drink, I drink. It's a quote. Oh, damn right. Walt Disney does not choke hookers, I choke hookers. <laughs> yeah, I just kept going. <laughs> Walt Disney does not put out his cigarettes on children. I put out my cigarettes on children. <laughs> Walt Disney does not masquerade around his apartment in nothing but a thong. I do. I that. do. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
about his working style, many of those with whom Disney worked commented that he gave his staff very little encouragement due to his exceptionally high expectations. When Disney said, quote, that'll work, it was an indication of high praise. Yeah. He's just a guy. He's just a dad. Well, how about his death? Do you know how Walt Disney he died? He froze himself. That was after his death. Lung cancer. Yes. He was a heavy smoker most of his mm-hmm. life. He did not use cigarettes with filters and had smoked a pipe as a young man. In November 1966, it's fucking crazy. That was so long ago, but the Disney company was already like this household name. Yeah. He was diagnosed with lung cancer and died in December, 10 days after his 65th birthday. After his death, the studios continued to produce live action films prolifically, but largely abandoned animation until the late 80s, after which there was the, quote, Disney Renaissance that began with 1989's The Little Mermaid. That's right. Or as I like to call it, the movie with the big golden dick on the cover. We've talked about that before, right? That might have been on our outtake episode. Remember when you brought the wrong list? Well, there's a gold wiener on there. There's a gold gold wiener on old copies of the VHS cover. They were really having a laugh. Let's talk about the big thing I know you've been waiting for. The rumor that Walt Disney, the man, was frozen Mm -hmm. after his death. And you tried to tell me in a recent episode that it was just his head, but it was his whole body. Okay. The rumor is that after he died, his corpse was frozen and stored beneath the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland. Now that seemed, that part seems ridiculous. So this urban legend, I, I pulled this from gizmodo.com. They said that this urban legend seems to have its origins in the late 60s and early 70s when people were really getting interested in the futuristic science of freezing bodies. I like that that's like, people were into this fashion and that food and they were also into the futuristic science of freezing bodies. It was really hot at that time. Bob Nelson, a former TV repairman, became the president of the California Cryogenic Society in 1966, the same year that Disney died. Nelson seems to have helped the rumor that Disney had frozen himself by claiming in a 1972 Los Angeles Times story. Oh, I heard this quote. He said, I've been licking on a Walt sickle for years. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Brandon got it. Spoiler. I guess I don't need to go into it. But I will anyway, for the sake of our listeners. Mm -hmm. The quote from the Los Angeles Times that this guy gave was that, quote, Walt Disney wanted to be frozen, Bob Nelson says, as casually as if he were talking about municipal bonds. Lots of people think that he was and that the body's in cold storage in his basement. The truth is, Walt missed out. He never specified it in writing. And when he died, his family didn't go for it. They had him cremated. I personally have seen the ashes. They're in Forest Lawn. Two weeks later, we froze the first man. Which I, I didn't know that had happened. If Disney had been the first, it would have made headlines around the world and been a real shot in the arm for cryogenic. Cryonic. What is it? Cryonics? What? Cryonics. Yeah. But that's the way it goes. End quote. I believe it. Walt Disney wanted to be frozen, yeah, but according but to this guy, he didn't put it in writing, and so it didn't happen. That sounds like a very reasonable explanation of how the whole thing got started. Yeah. So, yeah, his ashes have been scattered. To the wind. And he's not frozen, but it would be a lot more fun if he was frozen, right? Yeah, if he really wanted to entertain us, he would have done it. He wanted to freeze himself so that when they came up with the cure for cancer, they could unfreeze him, cure his ass, and he'd be... How fucking wild would it be, Brandon, if you got online today and you pulled up Twitter and you stopped, you know, after your vanity searches for yourself, you saw in the trending news section, 
Walt Disney re-emerges and reveals he had been frozen the whole time, ready to take back the reins of the Walt Disney Company. <laughs> He's ready to make another, like... Racist cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking of racist cartoons for the last <laughs> 60 years. But I want, what would your honest reaction be if you saw that in the news? It doesn't matter what he movie he made, I would go see that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like, you got to see these ideas I've got to make about Asians. <laughs> But, you know, if this happened, that, that would be the truest sense of time travel that we've had yet. If you died, quote unquote, and, or actually, I guess it would work in that you were frozen before you died, right? Mm -hmm. And then, so, you're frozen in 1966 and then you're thawed out and uh, heated up and brought back. Just in, like Austin Powers. There's exactly. already been a documentary on it. It is, uh, it's crazy. Okay, so my last Disney fact. That views of Walt Disney the man and his work has changed over the decades and there have been polarized opinions. Mark Langer in the American Dictionary of National Biography writes that earlier evaluations of Disney hailed him as a patriot, folk artist, and popularizer of culture. More recently, Disney has been regarded as a paradigm of American imperialism, intolerance, as well as a debaser of culture. So, I think public opinion on old Walt has soured over the years, but I still think he's fine. His contributions have, uh, have been enormous and he's a lot less worse than a lot of other people, including people alive right now. No, Walt Disney never stole my milk money. No. But would he have? That's another question. Would unfrozen Walt Disney in 2020? Maybe. He could need that milk more than ever. So, let's go back through the top four here. Number four, this is as uh, in 2019, the Disney company's top Revenue generators. Number four, direct to consumer and international. This is primarily their streaming services like Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, Hulu. Uh, number three, studio entertainment. This is all of their film studios, including Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, etc. Number two, with twice the revenue as number three. Number two is media networks, almost $25 billion in revenue and their most profitable business segment. This is all of their TV stations, Disney Channel, A&E, History, FX, ABC, ESPN, Freeform, and dozens more. Number one with $26 billion in revenue and their second biggest profit maker is parks, experiences, and products. This includes Disney World, Disneyland, all of their resorts, all of their consumer products, etc. That's it. Now everyone listening is a Disney company and Walt Disney the man expert. <laughs> you receive your certifications in the mail soon. That's right. Along with your windbreakers. Well, good deal, everybody. We did it. We did it. Do you feel closer to God now that you're closer to the Lord and Savior of planet Earth, Walt Disney? How do I say this? No. <laughs> okay. But I learned a lot of interesting things. It's true. Uh, is there anything else you want to say to our fine listeners before we sign off? Check out our Patreon. <laughs> yep. Just a couple bucks a month to get you some hot, fresh, extra content. You like can, what? Just some stuff. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Maybe some shit in the mail. I know some stickers have come out. Stickers, magnets, coasters, etc. We send that every few months to every patron. That's it. That's the only thing I would mention. Three bucks ain't much and every penny we get goes right back into the show, not in our pockets. Mm -mm. You can visit us at TennisPod.com to listen to all of our past episodes. Learn more about our show, etc. And fucking since we're here in plug mania, let me throw out a few more. We want your feedback on this show, including how we can improve and lists you want us to cover in the future. 
Go to tennispod.com slash survey to do that. Follow me on Twitter at Nick underscore E-M-E-L. Any other plugs we need to get out there? We're doing it. Let's just do it. Wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. Don't touch other people. Trailer hitch. If you're driving around with your trailer hitch sticking out, take 30 seconds and take that thing off. Yeah, that's not a big deal. Just do it. Do it for Brandon, if nothing else. It drives me nuts. All right. And unless the world ends in the next few days, we will see you next week for episode 79. Thank you for listening and goodbye. Bye.